I think there there was this groundswell of growth that was happening. And then when the when the Wasa Chamber came out with their strategic plan, as you just mentioned, I think that's where we sat back and we're like, oh my gosh, they're listening. It was a huge stepping stone for us to partner with the Chamber and the Greater Wasa Prosperity Partnership, because now they were really driving home the message of we need to create central Wisconsin, the Wasa area into an outdoor recreation destination. Welcome to Trail Effect and Happy New Year. I am your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. If you are new to the Trail Effect podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. Episode 106 kicks off 2023, and it's a follow-up show to episode 105 with Mike Rapiak of Emba Trail Solutions. If you haven't listened to episode 105 yet, take a listen as it will set the stage for episode 106. Episode 106 features Aaron Ruff, the president of the Central Wisconsin Off-Road Cycling Coalition, otherwise known as Seawalk, based in Wausau, Wisconsin. During this conversation, we covered the 10-year history of Seawalk, the latest development with the approval of the Rib Mountain State Park Master Plan, and we close it out with some winter fat biking as we are in the winter season for the Northern Hemisphere. You may have also noticed a new website for Trail Effect was recently launched, www.trailfectpodcast.com, with effect spelled E-A-F-F-E-C-T. Take a look around and provide some feedback if you so desire. This is a plug-and-play website of sorts via pod page, as I am definitely not savvy in the web design world. And I'm thankful that podcasts have gotten popular enough for a company to build a website service entirely based on the podcast industry. As always, ahead of all these tweaks and modifications, the main focus for Trail Effect will always be on the conversations, as the conversations are the reason for being Trail Effect. Ultimately, this podcast would not be possible without the guests, listeners, and supporters. So a huge thank you is in order. I'd like to take a moment to thank all the listeners and guests and supporters who have taken the time to share the Trail Effect episodes on their social media accounts, such as Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn along with taking Trail Effect in their posts. This has helped a lot more listeners find the Trail Effect podcast. Please keep up all of the sharing, commenting, and taking of Trail Effect. I'd also like to thank all the listeners who have signed up to be supporters of Trail Effect through Patreon. These actions mean a lot to me. This podcast has been edited and produced by Evolution Trail Services. Now on to the Trail Effect with Aaron Ruff. Here we are today on Trail Effect. I have Aaron Ruff, the president of Seawalk, which is Central Wisconsin Off-Road Cycling Coalition, based out of Wausau, Wisconsin, and Marathon County. But you guys have a trail system that's actually out of your county as well, which is Underdown, which is in Lincoln County, correct? Yes, correct. So Seawalk has, or Wausau, is an Ember Ride Center. They're celebrating their 10-year anniversary right now of being a legit 501c3 nonprofit mountain bike trail organization, but they have trail systems that have been going on for a handful of years. And we're going to, we're going to get into that in a little bit, but first we're going to get the backstory on Aaron and what led him to his presidency of Seawalk. This is great. Yeah. Thanks Josh for having me. I appreciate, appreciate the opportunity. I could talk about mountain biking and uh, cycling for a long time. So this is great. Yeah. A little bit about me is uh, I moved to the area about 10 years ago. My wife is actually from the, the marathon area, which is just, uh, west of Wausau. And I, I moved here without a bike. And about six months into living here, I realized I, I needed a bike. And so I purchased my first, I think it was a specialized hybrid bike. And after that, I actually was a road biker first. I hope that doesn't, I hope that doesn't affect any listeners here, but I, I bought a hybrid bike and a road bike. And that kind of got me hooked into the cycling community. And then uh, Seawalk was formed in 2012. I wasn't really a, a member or part of the board back when it formed. Um, but what I could see after, you know, two or three years was that there's this huge growth of mountain biking here in central Wisconsin, and there was really a ton of opportunity to build new bike trail. And so that's really what got me into mountain biking and joining Seawalk. I think I'm technically on my fifth year of serving on the board right now. I think it's my fourth year as president. So I just sort of been given the gift of being the next Seawalk president. Um, I think there were three, three other fine gentlemen that came before me who really laid the foundation. I'll give him a shout out, Matt Block, 
Gary Barden and Jan Martin were really the three guys who sort of uh, got Seawalk started uh, with some other folks and really paved the way for what we have today. So yeah, I've, I'm, I, I still consider myself relatively new to the sport. I'm definitely not a seasoned biker who's been riding for, you know, 20 plus years, 15 years. I think I've only been mountain biking for about six or seven years. So, but what I've seen here in, in central Wisconsin is just the incredible growth we've had in the sport. And yeah, we're hoping to share some of our success with, with you all today, as far as building mountain bike trail systems, because um, we have had the opportunity to build two brand new systems over the last 10 years. And I think that's where, that's where our success lies is we, we, yeah. uh, we just build better trail. That's our, that's our main objective. And we've been pretty good at it the last few years. Well, let's go into the Wayback Machine. And I know this is before your time, but you can maybe recount what you know, because mountain yeah. biking in Wassa has been going on for quite a while, including the fact that they held a 24 hours a nine mile. They still hold 24 hours a nine mile, but back in 2008, it was actually a U.S. Cycling National Championship event. And there's a lot of really high-end pros that if you looked at that results sheet today, you'd be pretty surprised with who you'd see on that results sheet. So let's talk about kind of like what you know about nine mile, because that was really the original county forest that I know of, at least in terms of what, where mountain biking was happening in Wausau. Yeah, there's been mountain biking happening at nine mile for over 25 years. Um, a lot of our, our local club members have been riding those trails for 25 years. And I think, uh, yeah, the Wausau 24 is one of the longest running endurance mountain bike races in the country. And I believe this year, actually, or next year, 2023, will be the 24th edition of Wasa 24. So it'll be 24 years of 24. So there has been a really strong mountain bike culture here for a long time. We've generally been a really good outdoor recreation community here in the Wasa area. Well, we have the Granite Peak Ski Area, which has been around for, I think, almost 70 or 80 years. Um, we have amazing waterways for kayaking and and boating and, and mountain biking, hiking, snowshoeing, skiing have always been sort of part of our, our culture here in central Wisconsin. Nine Mile County Forest is really was really what got it all started is, is they were raking and riding, you know, hiking trails and deer trails and archery trails. It's, it's fun to hear some stories of, of how it all started back in the day with, with mountain biking at Nine Mile. But really what happened in 2012 is when Seawalk became, Seawalk was formed out of thin air by by Matt and Gary and Jan and others because they said hey we we have this growing mountain bike culture here we need to sort of organize and uh you know there's there's a bunch of volunteer efforts that had occurred year in years past but they they were saying hey we need to we need to organize into a 501c3 chapter and that's what we are we are a 501c3 chapter of the International Mountain Bike Association so we have that connection with IMBA which has been super valuable for for a lot of reasons and I, and I think that's really helped us get organized being able to raise money is a big one um, and then to really you know market ourselves as the central wisconsin off-road cycling coalition so it was really sort of a perfect storm of activity where we had a lot of dedicated outdoor recreation enthusiasts that were mountain bikers and they said like man we if we would just organize we could really we could really do something special here. And so I think we followed the model of communities like Duluth, Marquette, Copper Harbor, who, you know, they were making organized efforts to raise money and build trail. And so we just, uh, you know, we sort of followed that model and that's, what's been working really well for us for the past 10 years. We're going to quick go over the list of the different trail systems you guys actually have. And then we're going to go into one of the first trail systems you guys actually built out from scratch. But their list of trail systems, at least from what I could find, is Nine Mile, which we've been talking about. And you, I'm going to butcher the name on this one. If I get it wrong, you need to correct me. Big Old Plain. Big Old Plain. State Big Old Plain. County Park. County Park. Out of all the people that would screw that one up, it'd be me because I know that everything is on county land in Wausau and yes. along with the state of Wisconsin. Yes. But Big Old Plain County Park, Prairie Dell and Underdown County Park, which is in Lincoln County, just north of Marathon County. Yep. Ringle Trails and Sylvan Hill, you know, so that's a, those are some pretty impressive trail systems that you guys manage and in some cases built out. Let's go into Sylvan mm -hmm. Hill first. That's the, probably the one that kickstarted everything as far as what you guys have going on now. And it's yep. like right in town. Like you couldn't be any more connected to neighborhoods and a school and everything else. Yeah. I think yeah, Sylvan Hill was really the project that, that sort of put Seawalk on the map, I would say. It actually, but before my time on the board back in 2013 or 2012, 
our first board of directors did put together a master plan for the community. And we actually worked with Hansi Johnson, who was our, he was our, I can't remember his title, but he worked for him at the time. Thank you. Yes. He was our regional IMBA rep. And, and Hansi was just uh, chomping at the bit to come look at some of the property and opportunities we had here in central Wisconsin, just knowing the topography we had and the access to public land that we have. And so uh, the, the number one uh, piece of public land on our list out of that first master plan was Rib Mountain State Park, which we'll get to because uh, we have some news on that. Mike Repiak talked about that in the last episode. But number two, a, a close number two was Sylvan Hill. And what's what's cool about Sylvan Hill is it's, uh, it's a neighborhood park. It's in the city of Wausau. And it has uh, a nice bit of elevation, a nice bit of elevation, about two or 300 feet. And it's known locally because it's the it's the downhill tubing hill in the wintertime. So that's kind of what what made Sylvan Hill famous. But because of its because uh, I don't know the exact acreage, but because of the elevation profile, it actually is it was a perfect candidate to build a community bike park where we could bring in a professional trail contractor. In this case, we brought in Rock Solid, who is, you know, I, th- I think listeners on this podcast are well aware of who Rock Solid is and what they do. And so we, we really set out to raise money and uh, we worked with Imba Trail Solutions to create a plan for Sylvan Hill Mountain Bike Park. And I think what we learned is that through our organized effort as a 501c3, we could write grants and we could get money. Uh, remember those first few years we had meetings with some of our local foundations and we talked to them about this idea of this neighborhood bike park and they were just amazed they're like oh my gosh this could be in our backyard you're telling us we could have professionally built mountain bike trails here in the heart of Owasa neighborhood next to the middle school and high school our parks department was supportive they actually i think they actually paid for the original plan to do the design and, and trail layout which was awesome so there was there was support happening from a number of angles uh, our foundations, I think that's one of our keys to success was we were talking with our local foundations early and often, and their whole goal, if I, if you have local foundations in your community, go talk to them. They typically want to create a more vibrant, vital community where they where they want to attract people. Um, one of the big pushes in the Wasa area the last 10 years is how do we attract and retain young professionals? We want people to to come back here, raise their family, you know, put their roots back down into the, in the Wasa area. And so having outdoor recreation, I mean, that's really the selling point for our community. I'm convinced of it. And Sylvan Hill was, you know, aligned right with that. So yeah, we, we got, I think about 200 to $250,000 of local funds raised to build Sylvan Hill bike park. Um, so over the course of like two years, we raised the money and then it, by I think September of 2017, we officially opened Sylvan Hill. Um, and again, it was it was something that our community had never seen before. I remember I remember the the ribbon cutting cutting ceremony and taking like, you know, the mayor, uh, park staff. We were walking people around the the foundations and people were just like, This is mountain bike trail. Like, this is amazing. I mean, it looks like professional landscaping. I mean, and Rock Salad just, you know, blew it out of the water, obviously. But I think it really gave people the idea of, oh. These aren't just like a bunch of mountain bikers scratching trail through the woods. I mean, this is a legitimate, professionally built mountain bike trail that will that is truly an amenity for our community. Um, and so I think that that helps sort of break the the stigma a little bit that oh, we're just you know a bunch of rowdy mountain bikers. And we did hear comments like that, like oh, isn't you know we're just going to be putting these bike trails and it's going to you know encourage all this lewd and risky behavior. And we're like, no, we're just we just want to get outside and ride our bikes. And I think once people saw, you know, a legitimate professional built trail system at Sylvan that they understood like, Oh, this is what this group is about and this is what they can bring. So. You guys went big too. I mean, there's, there's some obviously beginner stuff in there. There's a pump track in there, but there's some big jumps in there too. And and everything you guys kind of figured you put everything in there. Yeah. I think, I think Sylvan was, was a unique property because it's relatively small. I think total amount of, of trail is like two to three miles. So it's a really compact little trail system, but because of the downhill nature, what it allowed us to do is build uh, four different downhill runs. So beginners, intermediate and advanced riders could, could ride it. And I think you're right. I don't think we really wanted to leave anything on the table. We wanted to create uh, a destination mountain bike park. And it really has become that. I mean, you've got people traveling from all over the state because they're at the time in 2017, there really wasn't anything like it. And 
there are some significant jumps and gaps and berms and filter features that just didn't exist in other parts of the state. So it's if you're into that type of like downhill enduro riding, it's a it's a great it's a great little place to to do that. And so yeah, I just think we wanted to we saw what was truly possible and we wanted to make it truly possible. And I think it also sort of set the course for us to, you know, and we'll talk about Ringle and Nine Mile as well, but we wanted to, we wanted to create a trail system for everyone, basically, from age eight to eighty. And I think, you know, if you don't want to if you don't want to go down fish hook to crazy six foot drop, which I've never done and I probably never will do, you don't have to do it. You can ride the rest of it. So again, it was and that's a selling point for our foundations and for people, businesses that are donating money is you want to create a, a trail system for for all ages and abilities, um, for people that are new to the sport, for advanced riders. I mean, that's that's really been our goal over the last ten years as well, is to look at everything we build or or make or or uh, change so that we can make it good for the advanced rider, good for the intermediate, good for the beginner. So, well, one theme you're going to hear throughout this whole show is partnerships. That's how you guys are pulling all of this together, and I think that's how the most successful communities operate. So this next partnership you just kind of brought up on your own, but I had it written down here is Ringle Trails, and that's a partnership with the Marathon County Landfill. So that's an interesting one in itself. So let's talk about how Ringle Trails was your next project starting in 2018, I believe, after Sylvan Hill. Yeah, Ringle Trails is another great story. Uh, we have our, we, his, his title now is our director of trails or trail director for Seawalk. His name's Matt Block. He's one of those riders who's been riding here for 25, 30 years. He has probably literally scouted and mapped every single piece of public land, looking at the topo maps. I mean, he just lives and breathes mountain bike trail. The Marathon County Solid Waste Department is right on Highway 29. They own a pretty good amount of acreage around the landfill, which they manage. And Matt, again, inquisitive Matt, always looking at access to public land, was looking at the land around the solid waste facility. And he started having conversations with the solid waste director, but like, Hey, we, you know, this is, this is public land. And they had, they, they did allow for hiking and, and cross country skiing. They, they actually, they very much encourage people to come out to see their, their facility, the landfill. They want to educate people about, you know, reducing waste, recycling, all that good stuff. And so, uh, Melissa Johnson was her name. Uh, she was, she's been a fantastic advocate for outdoor recreation and for Seawalk. And, uh, you know, Matt attended a couple solid waste board meetings, kind of talking about, you know, our, our success at Sylvan, the, some of the work we had done at Nine Mile, our desire to potentially create uh, public mountain bike trails at at uh, the landfill or the solid waste facility, and they were supportive. And so we basically, uh, once we got the green light uh, from the solid waste department, we started the same process where we went back to the foundations. We said, here's what we'd like to do here. You know, by this time, Matt has done so much trail work and design that he sort of put together the package himself. And we we did the same thing. We we raised money to build at Ringle Trails. We've hired, I think, three different professional trail builders. And over the course of probably three or four years, we've now created a about a 10 to 11 mile mountain bike trail system that circumnavigates the entire solid waste department facility so again it's just it's just another example of partnership where we looked at a piece of public land talked to the land manager we get their permission the arrangement with the solid waste department is that seawalk actually leases the land i think it's i can look at the the contract or the the legal agreement we have but we actually own the trail the mountain bike trail and i think 50 feet don't quote me on that um, but we lease it for a dollar a year and so it gives us that ability to be able to to build and maintain that trail. Seawalk assumes the liability as a as a nonprofit organization. So for folks listening on this call, if if you have questions about that, you know you can reach out and we can we can share that share that language or or documentation because that's what that was an important part of this too is that you know we have that lease agreement where we can build and maintain our trail. Um, and I you know I'm obviously I'm very biased because I live here and I get to ride Ringle and, you know, I got to help fundraise and build it. But I honestly think it's one of the best bike trail systems in the state. It's super fun. There's pretty much a little bit of everything. There's fast and flow. We've been adding some more technical sections. We just added a brand new trail last summer called the Brickyard, which is just 
chunky rock, challenging technical. So there's a little bit of everything. There's tons of B lines, there's jumps, there's, you know, optional gap jumps. There's just all kinds of fun stuff for really, again, any rider of any ability. And uh, the fun part about Ringle is that the solid waste department is basically like, you guys are doing great, do what you want to do. And so every year we kind of pick a new little little loop to build or pick an area to improve. And again, Matt is our sort of mastermind at figuring out what we're going to do next. But I am just super proud of what we've been able to do out at Ringle. And it's just so fun. Like there's so many cool little segments. We have a little skills park near the trailhead, which is super fun. Um, it's just It's just all around a good time. Yeah. We're going to stay on the topic of partnerships because this one I think is pretty important. It's going to lead us to our next next bit of conversation, but that is the uh, Greater Wausau Prosperity Partnership. And this is one that caught my attention last spring when they're really soliciting for feedback on the Rib Mountain State Park Master Plan. What struck me as interesting is the Greater Wausau Prosperity Partnership, otherwise known as GWPP, appears to be really getting really driven by the Wausau Chamber of Commerce. And what I think is amazing about that is that you have a Chamber of Commerce driving outdoor recreation infrastructure, not just telling you, not just telling people that, hey, we got this stuff here. We have Nine Mile, Ringle, Sylvan Hill, name that next place. But we want to be, we want to drive this ship forward. In fact, it's so much they want to drive it forward that one of their tactics, in fact, their main tactic, from what I could tell when I did a little bit of research, tactic 1.1.2, support the Rib Mountain State Park Master Plan. So let's go into how it's been to work with the Chamber of Commerce there in Wausau and what, you know, what your involvement with them has been with actually getting infrastructure planned and built. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a great, again, it's, it seems like a perfect storm of activity because for probably, you know, six or seven years, I would say Seawalk was sort of working hard in silence and just letting our success create the noise. And so we were just kind of doing our own thing, you know, we built Ringle, we built Sylvan, we did a bunch of improvements to Nine Miles. We were just sort of like taking care of our own business and creating, you know, these awesome trail experiences. And I think like organically just word starts getting out like, hey, we have these and we were, you know, we had a lot of great PR. We had, we did a lot of media stuff. You know, if, if the public was asking about what's going on for mountain biking, we were sharing it. I mean, and we just, I think part of the story too, is we saw this amazing growth with our own club. I don't remember. I think I think we probably had less than 50 people that first year. I think we're well over 300 paid memberships that covers over 400 people. So we have a we have a pretty robust uh, representation of people who are Seawalk uh, members right now. We had a huge growth in our social media pages. I think we have almost 5,000 people that follow us on social media. Our our Central Wisconsin page. It's like I think there there was this groundswell of growth that was happening. And then when the when the Wasa Chamber came out with their strategic plan, as you just mentioned, I think that's where we sat back and we're like, oh my gosh, they're listening. Like, we don't have to carry this message anymore. It was a huge stepping stone for us to partner with the Chamber and the Greater Wasa Prosperity Partnership, because now they were really driving home the message of, we need to create Central Wisconsin, the Wasa area into an outdoor recreation destination. And there's a bunch of people I can think of in my head who are helping to drive this. I'll mention one one of them is Bill Bertram. He is the president of the Wausau Marathon County Parks Foundation. He's also one of the founders of Iron Bull. Iron Bull is a outdoor recreation event organization that I think is about five or six years old. And they, again, were, were pushing like, we have all this amazing outdoor recreation. We need to create events and opportunities and races to to grow this sport. And they've been extremely successful doing gravel races, adventure races, ski and snowshoe races. Uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm not doing them justice because I'm missing stuff, but so they just, there was just this, this swell of activity and it really culminated with the, the GWPP's plan to look at the Rib Mountain State Park master plan. And that was really what blew the doors open for us as we, and I remember they invited us to some of those early meetings and they're like, this is our strategic plan you know, we need Seawalk to be a part of this. And we're just like, absolutely. Like, tell us where we need to be and what, you know, we're like, we're just like, thank you. Like, we don't have to drive this ship ourselves anymore. We're just so happy to to join on. And I think the fact that, you know, they had prioritized Rib Mountain State Park was huge. Like I said, that was, that was number one on our list back in 2012 and 13. 
And I know Mike mentioned it in, in his podcast when you had him on Mike Repiak is that, you know, we were sort of working on working under the understanding that Rib Mountain Park, Rib Mountain State Park was basically untouchable. We were we were operating off of an old master plan. I think the the previous master plan had been done in like 2005. You know, there was no window of opportunity in that plan to, to build mountain bike trail wasn't going to happen. You know, really for the last 15 to 18 years, our community has been sitting here waiting for this opportunity to to for the DNR to open the book on on creating a new master plan. And like Mike, Mike so graciously walked you through the process. I mean, I think we were a part of that over the last few years as well. And it was just a, a good groundswell of activity to for our community to to work with the DNR and and through the the master planning process to say like, hey, we really have an opportunity here to create a world class outdoor recreation facility at Rib Mountain State Park through skiing and mountain biking, hiking, snowshoeing at all. So I can get into specifics too, but I want to I want to let you jump in and ask ask some prompting questions. Well, let's go into the Rib Mountain Master Plan and the process, kind of how the process laid out in your eyes, you know, because it started I think about three years ago. The actual, yeah. you know, the the exercise of it. You guys also have I'm going to throw this word out again. Another partnership with Rib Mountain or with a uh, Granite Peak Ski Area because Granite Peak and and Mike kind of corrected me, but I think he took it wrong. But it is a, I, I'm not, I said it was a private scary. I didn't mean that it was private in terms of like private, private to get to, but I mean like it's a private, it's a private company. It's not run by a government agency. So you have a private yep. company operating a ski area in a public place that's open to the public the ski areas. You know, they're another partner and they, and they see it, I'm sure both from a, a business perspective, but there's people in that family that also mountain bike in, in the Skinner family that is. Yeah, and I, I think that was when when the when we when we all sort of got word that the DNR was opening up and going to engage in a new master planning process. Again, we were all just like, I was shocked that it was happening because we had waited so long, and you know, we we had been waiting years and years and years, and it finally is like, here's the opportunity to be engaged in this master plan. And I think through the the Greater Wausau Prosperity Partnerships leadership. You know, they were convening meetings with with local businesses, stakeholders. Seawalk was a part of it. We were so grateful just to be invited to those meetings where we're sitting with the, the community foundations, the businesses, the, you know, the movers and shakers, as I like to call them. And we're just the little, you know, nonprofit mountain bike club. And we got to be a part of that planning on, you know, how can we engage the DNR and, and create, a, you know, be a part of a process to do the master plan. It was it was incredible. It was incredible for us to sit in those meetings and hear everyone else talk about the benefits of outdoor recreation and mountain biking and the fact that, you know, building mountain bike trails is is gonna attract and retain people. We're just like, oh yes, this is music to our ears. You know, this is stuff that we had known and we were trying to do for the last six or seven. And the fact that we had such a groundswell of support from the Wausau business community. I mean, I think that's what really took this thing over the top is it it wasn't just a bunch of mountain bikers saying, hey, this would be nice. We would do this. You know, we obviously had some success. So, you know, we could demonstrate to the GWPP and the DNR that we can do this, uh, that we've raised money and built trail and done it ourselves before. But I just think the the groundswell of support from the GWPP, local businesses and foundations are saying what uh, developing a, a mountain bike trail network, including lift access downhill mountain biking at Granite Peak could create here, you know, it's going to potentially, it will create a destination like mountain bike experience for people around the Midwest. So it's, it was, it's been cool, man. It's, it's hard to like describe it because it's just the perfect storm of opportunity. And again, the fact that the DNR finally opened up that master plan process, that was really the catalyst. And it was a long process. I mean, then you throw in a pandemic during the middle of it too. It was it was long, but we had a lot of great conversations with Phil Reinish and John Pullman from the DNR. Those guys had a huge undertaking. I know Mike talked about it too, the 6,000 public comments. They had, I think, three or four different public meetings. It was a long process and they had a lot to consider. But I think the uh, what, what, what really showed at that uh, Natural Resources Board meeting in December was that our community is ready and willing to make this a success. And we're here to be a partner with the DNR, you know, Granite Peak is willing to be a partner. Seawalk is GWPP. You know, we're very clear that like this isn't the DNR doesn't have to do this all on your own. 
you know, this is a this is a prized piece of public land that you own, but it's in our community. We're here to help. And I think, you know, some of the some of that feedback and comments is really what what made a difference. And and it's true. I think we're we're ready. We're chomping at the bit right now. You know, 13 days after the decision to to pass the plan, we wanna we wanna get going. We wanna start building this thing. Let's move into the the actual like what were what was in your mind? I think it was back in May, maybe. Anyhow, it was last spring when when the different um what's the word I'm looking for? The different ideas or the different directions that could have gone. I don't know why I can't think of the actual word. Alternatives, right now. Yeah, I think alternatives, alternatives was a name or options. The DNR and SE group use different ones, but yeah. yeah. The alternatives. What was you know, what was in your mind when you got the four alternatives laid out and the fact that, you know, at the end of the day, the alternative that was chosen was also amended to add more to it. That was an interesting part of the story too, is that, you know, the DNR, they're, they're not ski resort planners and they're, they'll be the first to admit it. And so I think, uh, again, I give a lot of credit to the GWPP who raised money to hire SE group, which is a nationally and maybe internationally renowned downhill ski planning and design organization. They hired SE group to, to do really an outdoor recreation assessment for the state park. And so again, it took, it took some of that burden off the DNR. And it said like, hey, again, we care about this. We want to we wanna really see what's possible. We'll pay for the, the outdoor recreation assessment. And when SE Group provided their, their alternatives for you know, what, what outdoor rec could look like, I remember looking at the maps, just, just blown away, like, oh my gosh, this is happening. This is possible. And the DNR was very gracious. Like they said, yes, we're going to take this. We're going to take it into consideration. We're going to look at it, which is great. I think uh, overall, it was it was just the the right amount of collaboration and and trust that we had to say, hey, like take a look at this as part of your process. The DNR came back out with their options, which were a little bit different, but they were different but similar. But again, when I saw the DNR release their options, my jaw hit the floor. I said, look at they're they're putting out some pretty incredible options for mountain biking. Eventually they got to the proposed plan where the DNR said, these are our preferred alternatives. And it was an extensive mountain bike trail network. I could, I like, couldn't believe it was happening. They were, they were saying, we want to have mountain biking on this property. It's, it's economically viable. It's biologically can happen with the terrain and topography. Like we, we can do this and we can do it right. And so I just remember there's multiple points over the last couple of years. I thought, oh my gosh, it's happening. You know, it's, it, I, I'm reading it on the page. I'm seeing it on the map. It, this is, this is actually possible and it could happen. And I think the, the biggest thing, the biggest thing that we wanted to do, and we were very upfront with the GWPP and, and in betrayal solutions and, and the DNR was, we, if we want to do this, we want to do it right. And if we truly want to turn this into a mountain biking destination in the Midwest or in the country, we really had to create the best lift access downhill mountain biking that we could. And again, uh, you know, we had meetings with the DNR where they're like, yay, you know, we are not going to operate a ski lift. That's not our book of business. That's not something we do. And so again, it was really a partnership where Granite Peak Ski Area is saying, hey, this is what we do. We've had a relationship with the DNR for over 70, 80 years. For, for downhill skiing. We want to create opportunities now for downhill mountain biking as well. Lift access downhill mountain biking is economically viable. And so, you know, what happened at that natural resources board was an amendment to essentially get a, to get a high speed lift to the top of the elevation. And so that is now possible with the, with the amended proposed plan that is going to really create the opportunity to have the best downhill, the best lift access downhill mountain biking that we could have. And so, you know, speaking on behalf of Seawalk, like we were, just, I remember being at, we were just like, we're thrilled that there's any mountain biking on the hill at all. This is incredible. I mean, the fact that we're going to have, you know, potentially a 20 to 25 mile, you know, cross country gravity mountain bike network is great. But the fact that you're, you're going to be able to ride all of that wonderful trail, but also have lift access downhill. I mean, that that's what takes it to the next level. That's what, I mean, you're creating a true, you know, day long riding experience. I mean, that's what I'm fantasizing over. I live about, you know, four to five miles west of, of Rib Mountain. I'm thinking like, I can't wait to bike out of my house at eight o'clock in the morning and not come home till like six or maybe eight o'clock at night because there's going to be so much to do 
And so I think what, what we've achieved now through the passage of this plan is it has opened up the door for so many possibilities for, for mountain biking, lift access downhill. You know, what, what we only dreamed of is now possible at, at Rib Mountain State Park. And it is the prized piece of public land in Marathon County. And, you know, we now have the ability to build trail on it. I mean, it's a dream come true. So we're licking our chops. We can't, we can't wait uh, for the next steps. I don't think everybody puts two and two together with this, but one of the things you can do with the lift access is actually open it up to beginners because you build that very beginner trail and you now take the barrier of entry in terms of having to have the fitness to climb to the top, you know, and that's something that I've, I've preached for a bit now. I've, I've actually witnessed it firsthand with my, with my girlfriend who is a new mountain biker and her second day on a mountain bike was at a, a shuttle place in North Georgia which nice. some people yeah. thought I was a little crazy for taking there too. But the reality was, it's like, Hey, like if your only focus is having to coast and use brakes, you know, you're not destroyed when you get to the top. Yep. So being able to offer that to beginners as well as, and I know that was talked about also in the plan and during the testimony. So that'll be, that'll be a great addition to the region as well. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I just give our community so much credit. I give Renee Krings at the chamber so much credit for doing a lot of behind the scenes organizing. And I think it was one of those, it's one of those things where you had this opportunity to seize the moment and that's what, that's what our community did. And, you know, it's sort of like you, you make your own reality. And I think that's what we did in this situation where, I mean, this really is that meaningful to our community. I mean, this, this has the potential to really change the face of our community you know, we have great mountain biking already, but now this is really, this is really like the icing on the cake here. I mean, we could really, really, really create something very special at Rib Mountain State Park. It's a daunting task. Like there's gonna be a lot of work to do, but man, is it going to be exciting? I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be really cool. And I'm just so glad that, you know, again, I'm representing Seawalk. Like we're just happy to be part of this. And the fact that it's being driven by some of the economic movers and shakers here, in the in the Wasa area is is awesome. I mean, when they get it, and we don't have to convince them about the you know economic viability of mountain biking, it's music to our ears. And you know, we've been closely studying communities like I mean, Bentonville, sort of like the Disney World of mountain biking, but even Duluth, Minnesota. I mean, they get it. They they've basically created you know an Imba Ride Center in Duluth, and so we're sort of we, when you look at some of these other magnet communities they're doing things like this. So the fact that we can really put a big rubber stamp on mountain biking with, with Rib Mountain State Park is pretty exciting, pretty big stuff. Well, let's move out of the future and into the present. And what I mean by into the present is we're recording this at the end of 2022. If you were to look out at either of our windows right now, you'd see a lot of white snow and you guys are deep into fat biking. Maybe maybe it's a poor choice of term words, but it's probably actually a good choice of words because we've gotten a lot of snow in Wisconsin over the last couple of weeks, and so you're literally deep into fat biking. So you just had a big opening of a new trail system yesterday with some fat biking, but generally speaking, you know, Wasa, the Wasa region is is known for fat biking. So let's talk about that quick. Yeah, that's sort of. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because that's another super important part of what we do for with with Seawalk is we groom. We groom almost all of our, our mountain bike trail systems in the winter as well for fat biking. And I think, uh, you know, I've been fat biking now for probably, I don't know, seven or eight years. And I just remember when fat bikes first started and the whole idea of grooming trail, I was like, this is great. Like, what are we doing? This is, what are we talking about? But yeah, so part of our responsibility as the, as the club, as Seawalk, is we, we own and operate a pretty good array of, of winter grooming equipment. So I think we own, I'm not going to get this right. And Matt and Nick are going to yell at me, but I think we own like two or three sleds, snowmobiles. We own, I think four snow dogs and we groom, I think almost 40 miles of winter fat bike trails. And again, when you talk about the growth of the sport and success, I think that's one of those other things that you mentioned that's put us on the map is not only do we have great mountain bike trails, you know, spring, summer, fall, but we have some awesome winter fat bike trails as well you know there's every year when when me and the buddies go out and ride for the first time on the winter fat bike trails we always will you know we're having a beer in the park that we're saying like i don't think it gets any better than this i think winter fat bike riding is the pinnacle of biking um just because of the beauty of of the 
of the winter. Maybe it's just because it's winter and you're just glad to be out of the house, but there's just something definitely special about winter fat biking. And and yeah, yesterday was the was a historic day for winter fat biking in the Wasa area. We had our first ever opening day for fat biking at nine mile county forest. So that was that was another work in progress. Nine mile is typically reserved for snowshoeing and cross-country skiing in the winter. We have had for the past four years, we've had a winter triathlon where we where Seawalk has been grooming mountain bike trail as part of the winter triathlon, which is cross-country skiing, fat biking, and snowshoeing. So we we knew that that fat biking is possible because we've been grooming trail. People are riding it. We really just had to sort of get over the hurdle. Uh, we had to get over the shared use hurdle. Um, not everyone is uh, supportive of of uh, more recreation, and we understood that. But essentially, what we're doing is we're grooming the existing mountain bike trail system. So we're we're not building new trail. We're not riding on cross country ski trail. We are grooming and riding on our summer mountain bike trails. And so through a series of of years of meetings and negotiation and sort of working out the the odds and ends and dotting the T's and I's, we we do have a, a fat bike tire season, winter tire season here at Nine Mile for the first time. And we rode it yesterday. It was absolutely fantastic. And again, we're just super thrilled to be able to increase access for folks and to create more opportunities to to get outside and recreate, especially in the winter. And Nine Mile has historically been a huge winter destination. It's been an awesome cross-country ski venue. They've had tons of races over the years. It's very well known throughout the state for winter recreation. And so the fact that we can now fat bike at Nine Mile during the winter is another huge step forward for us. And it's been great. You know, we work with our county parks department very closely. We have a great relationship with them. Uh, they trust us. We we trust them. They put a lot of responsibility on our shoulders. We have to groom the trails. We have to sign the trails. But, you know, we're more than willing to do our part to make it a success. And I think they appreciate that. And so, yeah, today is technically the the second day of, of, of fat biking at Nine Mile. And you know, we're just super proud of it. We also have fat biking at Big O Plain County Park, uh, as well as Ringle Trails and the Underdowns. We have four different trail systems here that you can fat bike, which is just awesome. I mean, there's just a lot of a lot of opportunity to get active in the winter, which is which is helpful. I could assume, and I could be wrong here, but I could assume that you guys may have pointed to how Levis works in Clark County in terms of being able to, you know, co-mingle the snowshoeing, the fat biking and the cross country skiing, because that's a, that's a, one of the, well, it's first and foremost, it's one of the original trail systems in the whole state from way back in the day. It was an Imba Epic way back in the day. I mean, we're talking nineties and earlier when mountain bikes were just really coming in the scene period, Yep. but they have fat biking, they have snowshoeing and they have cross country skiing. And I don't know how nine miles set up in terms of fat biking, cross country skiing, but like a at Levis, it's the fat bikers do cross the cross country ski trails in certain places. Yep. I don't yep. know if there's any co-mingling of, of ski trail. We do a little bit of co-mingling, co-mingling in certain locations for connectivity in lacrosse, but that's our setup in lacrosse is really uh, weird. We'll just say. Yeah. So for us, it's mostly just, we, we, we're just crossing ski trail yesterday. I think, you know, we were riding at maybe 11 o'clock, you know, it's still pretty cold here, but I think we, we actually saw, I think we only saw two skiers out there. So it's, it's mostly just crossings at this point. But again, I think we use Levis as a great example. I use the, the cable Hayward example all the time where I've been, we, you know, we, we take a trip up there once a year and, uh, I'm crossing Berkey ski trail on my fat bike without issue. Windman is another great example of Manitouche waters where they have snowshoe, fat bike, ski, shared use. So shared use is so common. You know, we're used to it as bikers when we travel. Marquette, Michigan, I can name a bunch of places where shared use is is normal. We had to share some of that success here with our local decision makers that, hey, this is this is normal other places. We're used to sharing the trail. It's not an issue for us. We do it all the time. It may be new for people in our community. I get it. There's a learning curve. You know, snowshoers and skiers might have to be aware and look out, but it's possible. You know, we have great relationships with with our Wassa Nordic Ski Club. We, I know their president and board members well. They endorsed our fat biking plan as part of it too. So, you know, we we sort of like had all the had all the the buy-in that we needed from user groups. 
you know, the county certainly wanted to make sure that we weren't creating conflict and we assured them we weren't, we had Nordic support. And so it's, again, it's just, you know, like you, you've said the word a couple of times today is partnership. A lot of this is partnership is, you know, talking to those groups and people we need to talk to and, and working through it and, you know, solving the problem and figuring out how it can be done right. And I think that's, that's what I'm probably most proud of over the last 10 years is there's been a lot of problems thrown our way or things we have to try to solve and it's all solvable. Everything's solvable. You just got to figure it out. You got to talk to the right people. You got to sit in the meetings. You got to do the work, but it's possible. You know, we had to cross some of the same hurdles when we introduced the fact that we we're going to get a, a snow dog here in lacrosse back in what would have been December of 2017 for grooming. And, you know, our, our park structures, like, just make sure you don't piss off the cross country skiers. And truthfully, there's so much crossover between cross country skiing and mountain biking. And a lot of times, and you guys have maybe seen this in your area, but in our area, if the cross country skiing is marginal, sometimes a lot of times the fat biking is actually way better. And so it allows for a different avenue where you might have a fat biker that's on his skis more if the ski conditions are great, but if they go sideways, then you can get on your fat bike and still stay active in the winter. So, Yeah, same here. There's a lot of crossover here and there's a lot of, you know, we have a really strong road cycling community as well. There's a lot of road cyclists who are big time cross country. I mean, we have a great cross country ski community here as well. And so they, the, the cycling and cross country ski community definitely translates together. And so we have a lot, there's a ton of cross country skiers who are supportive of fat bikers. And I know a few that you've just mentioned who are lifelong cross country skiers and now are fat bike owners. Um, so it's, it's pretty cool to welcome them into the sport. I think, again, it just speaks to the fact that the overall growth of outdoor recreation here especially is so big that there is so much more crossover. And, you know, I think there's in general, there's a pretty good support of, of each other to, to create the best conditions for, for everyone. Well, before we close this one out, is there anything that I missed that you would like to hit on as far as topics and, or I would like you to kind of go into, you know, a lot of your sponsors, you have a huge sponsor page on your website, which is, I think is incredible. I love it when trail organizations have a literally a landing site within their webpage yeah. that just highlights the community partnerships. Cause for one, it advertises who's, you know, who is helping make this better in your community, but it also legitimizes that you guys are real because when you have a lot of partnerships, like you guys do, it brings more people to the table. Yeah. I appreciate I appreciate that. Uh, that you notice that because it is important. And I think what I, what I want to leave people with is that, you know, this stuff doesn't happen for free. If you want to build and maintain mountain bike trail, you gotta, it's cost money. And again, I, we have an incredible amount of local support that, you know, I think we, we've, we built that we've cultivated that over the last 10 years. And I think I'm looking at some of the numbers here. We've, we've received just under $400,000 in grant funding from local foundations. So again, we're, we're sort of a, WASA is sort of a hub for central Wisconsin where we have, you know, probably, I'm going to get the number wrong, but it's probably 10 to 12 private foundations and we've received funding from a lot of them. And again, their mission is to give back and support community initiatives, projects, and programs that, you know, improve the community. And so they understood that the, our vision of creating a mountain bike destination and trails fits within their vision. So thank you to our foundations. The Judd S. Alexander Foundation, the BANS or Greenheck Foundation, the Community Foundation of North Central Wisconsin, the Dwight and Linda Davis Foundation, the Dudley Foundation, the Lewitsky Foundation, Wisconsin Public Service Foundation. We've we've had a, a huge track record of success applying for local money. And let me tell you, it doesn't really matter what what size community you're in. There's there is local foundations or money, charitable giving that that exists in your community. So figure out and tap into that. The second one that I'm that I'm most proud of. And a lot of our credit goes to Jan Martin, who's a previous Seawalk president and longtime board member who has essentially, I'll say single-handedly created our business sponsorship program along with, uh, I shouldn't say single-handedly because he works with Gary Barton. Uh, I'll give a shout out to Gary. Gary is a local graphic designer who also happens to be a rad mountain biker. And I think one of our keys to success is that even though we're a, a local nonprofit organization, we look and feel legitimate. We look and feel formal and professional. We have a professionally designed logo. Anything and everything that goes out related to Seawalk, whether it's our business sponsorship programs, our photos, 
any sort of marketing stuff, trail signage, like Gary is designing all of this pro bono for Seawalk. And every time we walk into a foundation meeting, we have a really nice glossy handout with logos and photos and we look and feel professional. And I think that's been a, a big part of our success is that we're not just, we're an organized force that has branding that has sort of some of that staying power. Um, and Gary and Jan have worked really hard to develop a business sponsorship program. And I think that originally started in 2015, but since 2015, we've, re- we've received almost $300,000 from our local businesses, which is incredible. I mean, again, that's how this, the, the, the work gets done is if we want to build trail, if we want to improve signage, if we want to buy a new snow dog, you know, we need money to do that. And we've had an app, we've had incredible, incredible, incredible support from our local businesses. Like Josh had mentioned, you can see the list on our website. I can't thank our businesses and, and business sponsorships enough. They are really what, what keeps Seawalk going every year. It allows us to look at our, look at our budget and say, Hey, we've got 50 grand to, to put into trails this year. What are we going to do? And that, that's what, that's what really the privilege of being on the board is, is, is to look at, Hey, let's, let's build a new segment of trail at Ringle. Let's buy a couple new snow dogs we can groom. And so it's really those, those partnerships and sponsorships that have really made us successful that our, that our local community buys in our foundations buy in, you know, as, as part of being a Seawalk member, you know, your money, we get kickbacks from Imba. If you, when you join Seawalk, you join Imba and you designate Seawalk as your local club, you know, we get membership dues off of that. So it's, we really have this sort of nice portfolio of ways that we fundraise through grants, through membership dollars, through individual donations, but also business sponsorships. And that's how the magic happens. If you want to get stuff done, you got to raise the money to do it. And we just, we can't thank our local community enough for supporting us. I'm going to throw, we're going to sidetrack for one moment, sort of. I'm going to throw a plug in for Gary Barden as well, because I have a Gary Barden poster framed on my wall. Ooh. That is from my personal favorite trail, the Red Trail in Copper Harbor. Yeah. And he must have yeah, done yeah. that. That was in the first round of 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 bike art when uh, Chris Cabrera put the whole bike par- bike art thing together yep. in Copper Harbor. So the Red Trail is framed loud and proud on my wall in my house. Sweet. Dude. And so I look at that every single day. Yeah. Yeah. Gary, again, I give Gary a lot of credit because... You know, he is really a stickler for making everything look good. And I think it's obviously for the better. And that was that was one of the the, the first things we did. I think one of the first projects we ever did was re-signing and remapping Nine Mile because it had been this like mess of trails here and there that weren't really mapped. And I think one of the one of the greatest like one of the greatest gifts Gary's given us is for every single one of our trail systems, he has created better maps and better signage. When you talk about user experience, we've all had great experiences at mountain bike trailheads. We've all had terrible ones. And one of our goals has always been to create a good trailhead experience where someone shows up, a new rider who's new to the community, who's new to the area, and that can look at a map, can can very easily uh, navigate through the trail system. And again, I think that's that's what's that's what's helped with our with our brand and image and growth is that we want to do it the right way. We want to create this cohesive, you know, Seawalk brand throughout our trail systems that have have good trail signage that reflects that. So yeah, I can't I can't uh, shout out to Gary enough. I know he's done some work at other trail systems around the country. So for those folks, you know, I think Gary will be okay with this. But for those folks looking for some uh, design logo work, signage mapping, Gary Barden Design, he's your guy. You know, personally, this is pre Seawalk, but I've personally been to Wausau and what I felt like riding in circles at nine mile, but there were little yeah. circles. <laughs> they weren't yeah. big circles. And so to have that and mapping is one of the toughest things to do. You know, people look at people navigate differently. Navigation is difficult yes. in itself. And so to get that nailed and to get it aesthetically pleasing is difficult. So I really appreciate that stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's an ongoing battle, you know, as, as, especially as we add and change things, you, you always gotta, you always gotta make sure and, it's it's difficult for me as a local to objectively look at that. Like we just re-signed nine mile for the winter signage. And you know, I can I can I ride those trails, you know, dozens and dozens of times a year, but I gotta think like, what does this look like to someone who's never been here before? It doesn't know like, oh, you can take a left and go to the east loop or you know, you have to think about that a little bit more objectively. But Gary does a good job of of keeping us on track and 
making sure it looks and feels good. Yeah. Well, Aaron, I want to thank you for your time in this today. It's been awesome to get this. I mean, selfishly speaking, it's been awesome to get the story of the Rib Mountain State Park State Park Master Plan out because I think for anybody living in Wisconsin that understands the struggles that we've been through, and, and I'm going to say this just in terms of access to state owned and state managed property because we have incredible access on county lands as you've as you've talked about this whole time, national yeah. forest lands, which is Schwamigan, you know, and then and then in municipalities lands, you know, like local local communities that allow mountain biking in their state in their city parks. But on on the state park front and on the state owned state managed land front, we've we've struggled in Wisconsin, and so to be able to finally highlight the fact that we're starting to that things are changing and we're going in the right direction is pretty incredible because we have some really good examples of states around us that are just killing it. Minnesota, Michigan. Yep. Those are two, two big ones that are really close to us that are just doing an incredible job. So thank you, Aaron. I want to state too that I think we said it before, but all of our trail systems are on public land. And I think that's, that's been a key for us. And again, I, I think of Matt Block all the time who is constantly looking at pockets of public land in our community that like, and you go talk to the land manager, you talk to the municipality, you talk to the county, like what's possible here. And, you know, you start opening the doors to conversations, which turn into plans, which turn into trail systems. And that's how it works. And I totally agree, Josh. I think the fact that we're opening a door now to uh, state public land at Rib Mountain State Park is, is awesome. And I hope it does change the trajectory for other state park land or, or state owned land uh, across Wisconsin as well because they really are gems. Uh, they, they really are incredible gems that are meant to be enjoyed. And for a community like us who happens to have, you know, an amazing piece of public land, I think five or six minutes from downtown. I mean, it's really an incredible asset to our community here. And, uh, you know, what, what, it, what we have the potential to create here with mountain biking and, and downhill lift access mountain biking is, is pretty special pretty special. Yeah. And I totally understand Matt Block's addiction. We can call it an addiction maybe because yeah, I think that's safe to say. Yeah. I do the same thing in lacrosse County. Like I have gotten yeah. myself so familiar with the County GIS mapping system because nice. for that reason of, yeah. you know, public lands or private lands with property owners that, you know, are open to that kind of use. Yep. Once you start kind of fit, I mean, that's how our last trail system was created when, you know, we on a city yep. park, you know, it was, we knew the city owned this property. It was a city park and it went right down into town. And how can we connect that, you know, to the residents? And so I understand the addiction that Matt has. And I've gone through a lot of those same exercises. And I continue to look at the county GIS system regularly for opportunities. So I really appreciate that one too. That's good. Awesome. Well, Aaron, thank you for taking some time out of your day and recording this episode and helping spread the good word of central Wisconsin and Seawalk. So thank you very much. Awesome. And we'll have to say Wausau too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Come check us out. The seawalk.org, C-W-O-C-C.org, or find us on Facebook at Seawalk Central Wisconsin Off-Road Cycling Coalition. Next time you're driving through, stop at one of our trail systems and enjoy. Yeah. And all those links will be available in the show notes as well. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening. Links to the various topics discussed in the show can be found in the show notes. We will have a bonus show dropping on Thursday of this week covering fat biking and Cuyuna Adventure Town with Aaron Hautala. If you like what you have heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. Also, if you are new to the Trail Effect Podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. Please don't forget to leave a rating and review as this is one of the best ways to show your support for the Trail Effect Podcast. I'd also like to thank all of the listeners who have signed up to be supporters of Trail Effect through Patreon. These actions mean a lot to me. With that, the value for value concept is something that has caught my attention. If you find value in the Trail Effect podcast, you now have a way to provide value for that value via Patreon for Trail Effect. This podcast has been edited and produced by Evolution Trail Services. If you have ideas on future communities or people to feature on Trail Effect, please don't hesitate to reach out by emailing evolutiontrails at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening. <laughs>